I want to be the best that I can be today. That's it. And you know what? When I walk out on the golf course, this is a concept I call capacity. We all have capabilities, all right? And those capabilities we should be developing every single day. Those are our skills and our talents and everything. But when we go out to compete and we go out and play today, if I'm trying to take today to prove those capabilities, I'm in trouble. Capacity is this idea that I got to take what I have every day and, and meet the demands of the moment. The moment. I want to learn to win the moment. When every single moment I'm in, I got to take what I have today. Now, I am never 100% of my abilities. Never. Steven Yeager's a client of mine, shot 58 on the web tour, did not hit it good on a couple holes, still made birdie. He did not maximize his abilities that day. He could probably shoot better than 58. You're listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker, and I am on a mission to figure out how to improve the way that we learn and get better at golf. I've been able to travel all over the world talking with leaders in the industry, from instructors to researchers to golfers themselves, learning how they're getting better and what that means for you. Welcome down to this week's podcast. We are in our Golf Myths series here in your podcast feed, as well as on your Amazon Alexa feed. Yes, a bit strange, I know. Golf Science Lab skill on Amazon Alexa. You can listen to latest episodes, ask it questions, and it will recommend a show. That's kind of a cool little thing. I was playing around with that the other day. If you have one, you download that. Been loving the feedback from everyone on this Golf Myths series. Uh, last discussion with Mark Brody was really cool. I enjoyed that because we had this really kind of practical conversation around stats and the things that we've been told about stats that just aren't true and don't help us. Today, we are switching from stats to the mental game. We're starting with a really good guest here, Dr. Brett McCabe. Dr. Brett McCabe of a company called The Mindside. I'm a clinical and sports psychologist. So I'm trained in the full breadth of human condition from a clinician standpoint. But all I do is work with athletes. And I work with athletes on human performance and finding who they are to help them perform at their best. I think last year, guys that I work with won nine times on the PGA Tour and got players, multiple players inside the top, whatever, of the FedEx Cup and the world rankings. But I say that simply from the fact of I got the greatest job in the world because I get to work with people who are committed to their goal. And I'm also the sports psychologist and performance psychologist for the University of Alabama Athletic Department. So get to be around some high-level athletes there as well. There's no doubt Brett is one of the leaders in the field of sport performance uh, and actually out there working with PGA Tour players. That's why I really enjoy spending time with him and was recently in, in Birmingham, which is where he's based out of. We recorded a podcast that you can find on his show, The Mindside. He flipped the tables on me and we had a great conversation there. Also toured his amazing office, hung out there for a bit. And there's a video on our YouTube channel you can check out and see where he works, kind of how he thinks and all that good stuff. As far as updates before we get into the show, uh, on July 1st, we are launching our Mindfulness for Golf online training course with Dr. Greg Carton. Brett actually introduced me to Greg a few years ago. Greg is also a sport performance uh, psychologist, and they both work with a lot of players on the PGA Tour. That's how they know each other. That's how he made the recommendation. Uh, Greg is, is awesome. And so we are running through this course starting on July 1st. Check it out, golfsciencelab.com slash mindfulness. This episode is sponsored by Adele Golf. And let's talk single length irons. The idea is to make everything easy. Same ball position, similar swing, same plane. We're taking that easy eight or seven iron swing that you love and doing it with every iron in the bag. So the question is, how do you hit irons different lengths? Well, they have a few things going on. Progressive face 
thickness. And so Adele used multiple materials of varying face thicknesses throughout the set to maintain proper ball speeds for each specific iron. Another aspect is progressive internal cavity. By progressively decreasing the size of their internal cavities as the loft increases, they can control ball speed, resulting in better distance gapping throughout the set. As well as they optimize the center of gravity or the CG. Through multiple design features, they're able to create a vertically progressive center of gravity throughout the set. Lower CG in the lower lofted clubs, transitioning to higher CG in the higher lofted clubs to better control ball flight and improve launch conditions, shot dispersion, and feel by maximizing head stability. I think you should look into this more. We have a full podcast with David Adele where he tells the whole story of single length irons. You can find that at golfsciencelab.com slash Adele. And if you want to demo these, Adele has a demo program. Head over to Adele Golf. Check that out. Really cool. If you do get a set, Tag us at the Golf Science Lab on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know how it goes. So, Brett, my best advice on the mental game is that you need to trust the process, and that's all that you can do. If it goes in, great. If not, great. How am I doing? You're doing great for my players. <laughs> okay. So I love it when other coaches tell, my, tell their players to do that because what I'm doing is cutting the field in half for my guys and girls. Here's why. And let me explain a little bit more. As a player... When you're competing and somebody says, trust the process, the mentality is right. Now, obviously, look, I coach and I work in an athletic department under Nick Saban, who is all about the process. The guy I played for in college, we had what was called the system. So I'm not saying not to trust this. But the mistake that players make is when they say, well, I just did everything I could and it didn't go in. Like, oh, gee, golly. There's a separate level. The, the mindset and the process that you put in place can get you so far. But something has to take you to the next step. And that next step is what I kind of refer to as like a next level mindset. It's like a gladiator mentality. It's a competitive mindset. So when I hear somebody say, well, I just kind of went through the, you know, the process and it didn't go in, I guess I shouldn't be upset. It's like, if you're a competitor, you should be gutted, absolutely gutted. Because at the end of the day, you should be a competitor trying to get whatever you can get. Now, you use a process to eliminate variability, to rely on it and to turn your focus and attention into that so that you can be successful. It, it's like going to a restaurant and the executive chef has to do their work. The sous chefs, the prep staff, everybody has to do their process in order for that sous chef to help that executive chef be his best or her best. That's what a process means. But we have, we have inundated our current following of players by saying, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. As long as I did my process, all I can control. It's like, this is a competition. Like your job is to try to get the ball in the hole as soon as you can. And you use your process to do it. Question for you. This mentality come from, so I, I do feel like shit when I miss the putt and lose, right? And just trying to help us cope with that. Is that why this has become popular? Or like, why is this phrase? Because I feel like this is a pretty common thing of trust the process, right? Like I, I hear this quite a bit. Yeah. It's like saying, be happy. Okay. The trust the process idea. Look, let me tell you something. When I walk the locker rooms and I'm working with players at Alabama in football, they use the word trust the process. But what you don't hear them say is the other one, is make your ass quit. Okay? They're going to trust the process to dominate you and make you quit. Okay? And golfers have to have that level of, of competitive mindset. Now, I will say this. 
in order to win every moment you compete in, there's a, there's different personalities of which people connect with. And this is some something that I'm writing right now, and it'll be coming out probably at the end of the year as well as on the podcast, is the fact that there's probably four or five different types of mindsets that happen in the moment. The first one is that people tend to need to amp themselves up. So they need to hype up a little bit. That was me as an athlete because it allowed me to overcome my fears and doubts and insecurities. There's another type that under pressure, people need to become more tactical. They lower their arousal level to become tacticians. They think, you know, just do this or that. I've got a player who's like, look, if I just do these three steps, that's all I need to do. It doesn't mean that he's not amped up and focused on what he's doing, but it keeps him disciplined. There are people who are bubble people. So they like to get in their own little bubble and pretend they're in their own little Truman show. There's the catastrophizers. Oh my God, I'm going to play terrible today. Oh my God, I did not study for this test. It's going to be the worst thing ever. And then bang, what happens? They do well. And so we're, we're figuring this out a little bit because I think everybody's different. My point to the process is the process is the platform of which you strive from. Okay, It's that next level mindset of if I put a puzzle in front of you and you can't solve it, how are you going to figure it out? That's what I want to know. And my players, the players that I coach and I'm fortunate enough to be around on a daily basis, regardless of the sport they play in, that's what we're trying to tap into. We can take care of the process, but I want them to be so competitive and learn to compete and practice to compete that they're better. First of all, we have to release the fact and the trust that, or the belief that, that are that this some sort of this outcome in golf. If I do everything I'm supposed to do, the outcome is going to happen, right? It's like go, it, that's why we become superstitious when we go gambling, or baseball players are superstitious, is that it gives us a false sense of control over a random outcome. We can influence outcomes in golf, and I ask players all the time. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bastardize some statistics, but just y'all follow me here for a second. When I ask a player, what percent, well, I'll ask you this, what percentage of the outcome can you control? It's not zero. What percentage of the outcome can I control? Yeah. I don't know, 50%? Okay. So something? we take 50, okay, we take 50%. Now I'm going to argue that it's really not causative, it's more correlation. Okay. So if we take that and switch it to a statistic, a correlation is, is 0.5. That'd be a good, that'd be a good influence. In behavioral science research, usually around 0.4 is really seen as a robust effect. In engineering, if you're running an airplane, your correlation better be 0.9 something. But anyway, you get my point. 0.5. It's really good. Now, what we're going to look for is if A is correlated with B, when A happens, B happens about point, you know, about 50% of the time. That's correlation. We're going to look for how much variance is accounted for by that variable, though. So the variance of scoring is going to happen because of that. And what we do is we take correlation and we square it. So now we're at 0.25. So really, that you're only in control of about 25% of your variance of your scoring, if we look at it that way. So when we perceive and put our sense of control over our score, what we're actually doing, in my opinion, is bringing our insecurities into that scoring. Because what we're doing is when we're frustrated that we haven't hit the score that we wanted, we're actually attacking those insecurities we have within ourselves. So if you think about your self-talk and your dialogue, when you're frustrated that you didn't score, it usually falls back onto something. It falls back onto some common trends. Now, when you shoot above your score, you don't go back to those same common trends. You move on and you actually take it on as a social experiment that you're feeling great and you've done so well. You don't go to those buckets of insecurity. So if you're a player who tends to struggle with the big limelight, let's say, then you're more than likely when you struggle and you only have 25% of the variance accounted for, which you're actually going to is saying, oh, man, why? I just can't handle the big stage. See, whenever I get to a good spot, I just fall apart. And that self-talk is going back to some sort of insecurity bucket that you have within you. 
So the reason why we assign meaning to the process is that it is our way to assign control over an uncertain outcome, like superstition. It's like wearing your lucky socks. Now, I know there's somebody out here right now going, okay, this dude has lost his ever-living mind. (laughs) Okay? And what I'm saying is, yes, every player should have a process, and every player should have a process of how to review things. What I want you to understand is, it's like taking a test. I'm going to prepare my butt off. I'm going to study. I'm going to learn it. But when I turn over the test, I don't have control over what that professor is putting on my paper. But I've got to trust my skills to solve those problems. Man, this stuff gets real quickly. We're talking about a philosophy towards life, towards performance. And we're looking at something way more than playing a round of golf. If you want to be successful in your career, in your business, in your hobbies, you want to reach your goals, this is an approach we need to understand. What we do is we automatically assume that some guy that is our analog is shooting four under par every time we go out there. And now that's who we're comparing our value against. And so from a stance of, you know, keywords and mindset, it's like, look, this is a game that has does not have a solvable function. It can be beaten at times, but it never replicates. Too often, you know, we're bringing in high expectations. We're comparing ourselves to an unrealistic benchmark that we think we should perform to. Uh, we tackle a task like golf that's incredibly variable and always changing. And that's why I love this approach from Brett. It's something that we can hear right now in this podcast as you're sitting in your car, at your desk. But in that moment when we're trying to perform, it's really hard to understand and embrace my potential is is my goal, right? I'm just trying to reach my potential. How am I doing with that phrase, Brett? Am I two for two? Yeah, you're two for two. Uh, I'm just trying to reach my potential. I love that. We all have this mythical potential that we're going to have and we touch it, all right? And so it's kind of like we're building this virtual self and the virtual self hits at 365 off the tee with a, you know, can land in the soft fairways and never roll out. And because we touch aspects of us and go, that was really good. And it's it's literally it's like looking at the weather and going today is beautiful it's 80 degrees with a 42% humidity but the wind is blowing a little bit a perfect day would be if there was no wind but it would be cool enough that we're standing out by a beach and we get caught up in this of the fact is is that the reality is an illusion that's all it is i mean potential is an illusion reality is the present and what we have to do to realize is that our reality is where we play our potential is irrelevant because we should be trying to improve every day. And let's try to become the best that we can be today. And if we add up a bunch of those, then we can be pretty good. But I've never met somebody who's ever reached their potential because they always move the line. And the potential becomes a frustrating point. And you know, they go out and they say, oh, yeah, I, sh- I could have shot better than that. Well, yeah, you probably could have, but you didn't. You could have shot worse, but you didn't. Okay, You got it done today. Now, could you, could you have saved a shot or two somewhere? Okay, cool. And By doing it that way, then what you do is you spark and maintain a level of competitiveness in the moment. The other thing that drives me nuts is next year I will. Like in other words, next year I'll be skinnier. Next year I'll have more hair. Next year I'll be able to hit it further. Next year I'll fix a deficiency in my body. And what we're doing is we're ignoring the current present moment. Now that may be true that next year we will be better, but you have to play with what you have today and make the most of it. We can't delay success and failure until it's on our conditions. And on our terms. So when a golfer comes to you and says, you know, hey, my goal is, you know, I really want to try to reach my potential. What do you want to shift that 
to? I don't know what your potential is. In fact, I would probably argue that your potential is not as high as you think it is. Okay. You're probably undercutting yourself. I don't know. There's so many things that are beyond our control about whether or not we can reach that outcome. It's like climbing Mount Everest. Everybody who can climb Mount Everest that's physically capable is not going to reach the top. Some people are going to quit. Some people are going to get hurt. Some people are not going to be able to make it due to body limitations. Some people, the weather's going to prevent them. It's not fair regardless. Okay. The bigger issue though is, is that as a player that you have to try to get the ball in the hole is, is fuse shots as possible and stay mentally engaged in that. When we start comparing against the potential, has anybody ever been encouraged by missing their potential? No, not that I know. No. So it's, it's like saying, you know, she's cute. She's, she's okay, but she's got a great personality or, you know, he's, he's, he's a nice guy. I mean, you may like him. It's one of those things where it's like, it's an underhanded compliment. It's that you're failing to play your best, but Oh, your potential can be a lot better. It's like, but you're failing to reach that. So what I'd rather do, and I hear this all the time, is that when I ask players what their scoring average is, they don't give me their scoring average. What do you think they give me? One or two shots off of their best score. Yeah. I mean, you know, I sh- probably around 70. I'm like, well, okay, your scoring average on the gin system, your handicap is a six. Like, you know, I, I'm not, I can see scoring averages when people come see me. I mean, it's not... And what I want them to understand is I'm not trying to beat them up. I'm trying to say reality. Like, look, you're fine if you're a six handicap. Let's try to get it to a five. Let's try to get it to a four. Let's not set an unrealistic expectation that breaking par every time you play is the goal. I don't know what the goal should be. But what I do know is the next time you have a shot that's in your hands, that you have a search shot, what are you going to do to mentally engage yourself to solve the puzzle in front of you? That's my question. Let me give you an example. So Brian Harmon's one of my clients, right? And Brian Harmon is one of the most decorated junior golfers in the history of junior golf and amateur golf. Multiple Walker Cupper, an elite competitor, right? We go to Aaron Hills. What was the dialogue that was continually being said about Brian Harmon at Aaron Hills? You were there. Don't remember, to be honest. Well, I mean, he's he's not real long. Yeah. yeah. He, he's a fighter. He's tenacious. It's kind of like they're describing him as like an underhanded compliment, right? So it's like I mean, the underdog, right? The underdog. Okay. Does he hit it as far as Brooks Kepka does? No. Well, Brooks was taking some angles, particularly on the back nine, that he could launch into certain areas. He was very confident in that moment. Brian hits it long enough to compete, and his game I'll put up against anybody's. Now, can I put it up next to Rory when Rory's driving great? Uh, probably not. But how many other people in the world can I put up against Rory when Rory's driving it great? Not many. Not many. Okay. So... It's like Brian's number 23 in the world. Is he an underdog at number 23 in the world? No, no. He's finding his way to beat the game, to compete against the game and beat the other people in the field. Always, and the gap's always moving. Yeah. We're not playing an even game. It'd be like a football team driving down the goal line and getting in the red zone, and they say, oh, no, 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 we're going to move the end zone back 45 yards. But our whole strategy was built to get into that line. We don't know what that line is. How about just load it up, keep going, and see where we go, and work to get better every day? And you know what? When I walk out on the golf course, this is a concept I call capacity. We all have capabilities, all right? And those capabilities we should be developing every single day. Those are our skills and our talents and everything. But when we go out to compete and we go out and play today, if I'm trying to take today to prove those capabilities, I'm in trouble. 
Capacity is this idea that I got to take what I have every day and, and meet the demands of the moment. The moment. I want to learn to win the moment. Win every single moment I'm in. I got to take what I have today. Now, I am never 100% of my abilities. Never. Steven Yeager's a client of mine, shot 58 on the web tour, did not hit it good on a couple holes, still made birdie. He did not maximize his abilities that day. He could probably shoot better than 58. But the truth of the matter is there's certain factors that prevent us from doing it. There's days that we don't feel really good off the tee. There's days that, you know, pollen count is high. There's days that I had too many adult beverages the night before and my head's clouded. You name it, all right? Whatever the factors are that contribute to people not being at their best. If you could walk up on the green, on the tee box on the first hole, and Cordy, you could put your thumb on the scanner and it said, Cordy, today you're at 71% of your abilities. Would you be excited or disappointed if it was a big match? <laughs> I'd be super disappointed. Okay, because you're going to chase the 29% that you're missing and ignore the fact that you're 79% if you're practicing or you're 71% that you're practicing every single day and training and working could actually, if you applied those skills, you could whip my butt. But you're chasing the 29% that's missing because you're afraid of missing that is representing something you're missing in your abilities. I want you to walk out there and sometimes go, you know what? I don't have, like I'm struggling off the tee. All right. I can chase driver now. I can keep ripping driver to try to get the stupid thing in play to prove that I can hit a driver. Or I can take a step back and go, what do I have to do to get this ball in position for me to score? That's meeting the demand of the moment. I'll work on the other stuff after the round. But right now, I got to solve this puzzle. I wrote this the other day as I was talking. I was like, Coach Lombardi said, you know, this famous thing, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. You know, people say, you know, the moment doesn't define you. Yeah, it does. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. It does define you. All right. It doesn't define you as a person, but it does contribute to who you are because when you solve it, you feel like Superman. So I think the note section is, is that compete, just learn to be a, an elite competitor. It's, success doesn't happen to you. It happens because of you. And you have to be the one that pushes that to make that happen. And it's not a guarantee ever. And so if you're not succeeding it initially, it doesn't mean you ever will succeed, but you sure as hell won't succeed if you quit on it. So stick with it and try to keep solving it and keep working it and compete. Look at golf like you would a heavyweight fight. You're going to get hit in the nose a few times. You're going to have a few black eyes, but your goal is to have your hand raised at the end. Absolutely. My only question on that is, is when I bring that attitude to things a lot of time and I do lose, right, which happens to everyone, dealing with it is hard, right? Because you feel crushed for a day or two depending on the, the gravity of what you are doing. How do we make it through those those time periods in a healthy kind of manner? Well, I mean, that's that's the adjustment is to realize that you're okay regardless of what circumstance you're in. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Emotion is human. And so we have emotion. If I walk up and kick you in the shins, I hope you're pissed off. Okay, but I don't want you laying on the ground going, why, does, why do I always get kicked by this world and why am I such a loser? When you hit a bad shot, that's what you say. Like, why do I keep doing this to myself? What is wrong with me? The game is hard. Like, if we actually looked at it and somebody said, this game is really, really, really hard, you'd look at it differently. So you got to learn to experience emotion and then realize, okay, wait a minute here. This is hard. It's not personal. That part doesn't define me. But I'm going to work hard to try to solve it to the best of my abilities. And if you can do that, you're okay. But I want you to be a competitor. I think that we've misinterpreted things. You know, look, this generation, our, our current generation, it doesn't matter age. I mean, generation is, we want to have a, we want to have certainty before we give effort. 
there is no certainty in anything. Wow. How good is that? Man, I loved this episode. I appreciate Brett's time for sharing with us. And if you want to learn more from him, dive into some of his other materials, which I highly recommend. Here's how you can do that. Yeah, Exploring Mindside Podcast. We actually have something really cool coming out here in July. We have the Mindside Academy is launching, which is an online platform of education. And I can guarantee you 1,000% it's not going to be anything like you've ever seen before. So if you think you know the myths and you've seen everything about sports psychology, if you want to see it different, and that doesn't mean I don't love my colleagues in the field. It's just that we're going to take a different angle. And, you know, I'm going to learn from my buddy Scott Fawcett. You know, sometimes you just got to say things because you really believe in them. And doesn't mean the convention is right. And I've got a lot of experience working with a lot of athletes that are high level across a lot of different sports. And if you, you know, stay in touch in July, you're going to see some information on it coming out. The first series we're launching is how to win every moment. So what do you do before the moment, during the moment, and after the moment? And then there's 12 chapters for each one of those three courses. So you're going to have 36 videos launching July 1 and some really good content. And the main thing I want people to understand is Go on your own journey and learn how to be your own competitor. I want you to take information from a variety of different sources and then solve you as a competitor. Cordy, you and I are going to have different competitive mindsets. You and I probably work different hours, but we both work our ass off. Okay? So the fact is, is how you do it and how I do it are two different ways. But the good news is we can both respect each other as competitors and realize that we're going to help each other along the way. But I'm going to learn from you. You're going to learn from me. And then the biggest part of that is you're going to solve. You're going to put that into your portfolio to become the best you you can be. And that's what I want my players to know. And that's what this video series will help them do. Thank you so much to Dr. Brett McCabe for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, the Golf Science Lab podcast in your Apple podcast feed or Google Play because we have snippets that come out in between these main episodes where you can learn more from our guests where they answer some quick questions with us. Brett will be joining us next week, a few days after this comes out. So watch for that. If you are a listener of the show and you're not a Golf Science Lab insider, you need to be uh, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash insider. We will send you emails with content first. They have to a date on everything we're doing and some exclusive content and updates that no one else gets. This episode was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Publish Productions. 